Welcome back, everyone, to the Disruptive Doctrine Podcast. My name is Luis Cruz, and I am your host of this amazing show that God put on my heart a while ago, but I finally started it January 13th. So we're closing in on about a month, and it's been kind of exciting, not going to lie, to see um, the amount of speed that it's taken off with. Um, I mean, we're not viral by any means, but uh, maybe it's just because my humble roots and I see 134 download and I think that's ballers. So um, I'm really excited that God is using this platform to be able to reach out to people who are going to be blessed by what he has put in my heart to teach. And I'm excited to do his will. Um, it, it's really just about him. It's about spreading the message of the kingdom. It's about imitating Christ. And it's about honestly pissing the devil off. He hates the truth. If there is one thing I, I, I will very rarely will I talk about the enemy on this show because I don't need to glorify him or exalt him in any way. But one thing I can promise you is that the devil hates the truth. And the reason why he hates the truth is because there is nothing scarier for him than a believer who knows the truth because there's power in the truth. There is power in the word of God. And he doesn't want anyone to know that, of course. So he tries to distort it and he tries to make his truth, which is a lie, but he tries to make it look as close as possible to the actual truth. He doesn't want to make it obvious that he's deceiving you. And that is the that is my goal right there. My goal is not to I mean, we will occasionally talk mainstream stuff that everyone else is talking about. But what God didn't put in my heart is to address those lies that have been disguised so brilliantly by the enemy, that they look so close to the actual truth, that if there's no discernment, it'll it'll fool anyone. And that's my goal. My goal is to be led by the Holy Spirit for him to reveal what are the lies that have destroyed families relationships, parent and child relationships, and churches. I mean, what's truly causing the damage so we can speak the word of God into those lies, break them up, blow them up like dynamite, and teach people the true gospel. So that's that's my goal. My goal is not to be disruptive to any members of the church community. And my goal is not to be disruptive to anyone else but the devil because he's a liar and he's a punk. And uh, lately he's been working some overtime and he's honestly getting on my nerves. So um, I'm going to be hitting this podcast even harder because I need everyone to hear the truth. It's not my truth and it's not because I'm a pastor and it's not because I studied seminary and it's not. No, it's none of that. It's this is the word of God and we're going to teach what the word of God says. And I pray um, that everyone who listens to this podcast can open up their hearts As a matter of fact, I'm going to enter into a prayer just in that same zone. Father God, I pray that today's topic, Lord, can be a liberating and edifying topic to you, Father God, because it is what you place on my heart, Lord. And I pray that everyone who is going to hear this, Father God, let them be fertile soil for your seed to fall onto good soil and grow roots, Father God, so you can start growing in their lives, Lord. And I pray that this is uh, a method in a platform that is edifying to you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. And you know what the crazy thing is, too, is one thing I love about having a podcast 
so far is um i mean i'm a pastor so i mean every sunday i have to preach and i kind of like the idea or what i'm prepping for for the podcast essentially i just translate it to spanish and that's usually my sermons on sunday as of late um I mean, not every, it's not going to be like that all the time, but for instance, this Sunday, what I'm talking about today, it's really going to be translated in Spanish and I'll be preaching it on Sunday in my humble little church in Saluda, South Carolina. So uh, that's where I'm located at. I am in South Carolina. I am a Miami native, grew up in Miami all my life, moved up, moved to Polk County after I finished high school in 2011, lived in Polk County into 2022 when the Lord said, sell your house and you are going up north. and I didn't think it was the case, but he proved me wrong. And here I am for the glory of the Lord. So um, that's I, I didn't even think about it, but that's kind of a perfect segue of, of today's topic is, am I a slave to Christ? And yes, we're going to be talking about slavery because there's obviously different feelings and mixed emotions about the word slavery because humanity decided to be in sin and, and we know what slavery means to this world. Um, and, you know, a lot of controversy is on this topic because people read the Bible and because they don't know how to read the Bible correctly, that there's context of there's times where the word is being literal. And there's sometimes that because of the culture and the, the culture of the audience that the author is speaking to, they decide to use imagery and words that they can correlate to to drive the point across. Um, and, and that's why there's a, a lot of people have mixed feelings. And, and then they say, oh, well, don't, don't use that word because it's going to offend. No, I'm going to use the word that's written. And, you know, if the the scripture is written in Greek. I'm going to use what the Greek language was. I'm not going to give it a softer translation because I don't want to offend someone. I'm not going to, I mean, I, I don't know. What are the, the, the new the young kids call it nowadays? They call it, um, uh, gaslighting. Uh, I'm not, I, I will, I'm not going to soften up because that's what the Bible says. That's the, if, if it was written in that language, then that's the version I'm going to teach. I will explain. And that's what we're going to be doing today, but I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. I mean, that's the, anyone who knows me knows that that is not me whatsoever. So <clears throat> the topic today, slaves to Christ, what does it mean when the Bible says I am enslaved to Christ? Romans chapter one, verse one, my favorite character in the Bible besides Jesus obviously, is Paul, because Paul was a savage. I mean, Paul was the epitome of a Jesus freak. Uh, growing up in the 90s, they had that song, like, what would people do? And they say, are you a Jesus freak? I don't remember the lyrics, but it was a song called Jesus Freak, and, and it was all about being a freak for Jesus and being fanatical. Uh, that was a whole craze one time, where it was a negative connotation. You're a religious fanatic. Nah. Uh, I grew up old school Pentecostal. So I heard that a lot. Uh, but Paul was a fanatic. Paul was a, he's an amazing story because number one, he is, he is the perfect example of what it means to be born again. I mean, he went from one day killing Christians to the next day, telling them that Jesus is the Messiah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's absolutely nuts. Um, I think he's a wild man. I think that he's a savage and I, he's, I wish I could be like Paul. I strive to be like Jesus, but sometimes I'm like, I, I need some Paul blood in me because he was amazing. And he starts off in the book of Romans. Now, mind you, he is talking to the Romans. 
the book of Romans is called a Romans because the audience was Romans, Roman Gentiles, okay? So before we even dive into this, we have to understand the context that anything that's written in the book of Romans, because he's speaking to Romans, he's going to try to use imagery that can stick to the heart of the audience he is speaking to. And the Holy Spirit understood this, and that's why the Holy Spirit is our interpreter, and that's why when we read the Bible, before we read the Bible, we need to pray and say, Holy Spirit, let me understand what this is for me, um, and, and make it personal. So Romans 1, 1, the very first verse of the book of Romans, the word says, this letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach his good news. So we see here, I mean, obviously Paul is no stranger to controversy and he's starting off by describing himself as a slave. And we, you know, we see this and the alarms go off and, oh my gosh, slave, slave. He said he's a slave, slavery bad. Okay. Well, relax. So we need to understand that again, Paul was a Roman. He was a Jew, but he was also a Roman citizen. Okay, which is what made him that much more gangster because whenever he needed to get out of a situation, he would flex his Roman card and be like, yeah, I don't know who I am. I'm the best of both worlds. And he was a Roman and he is speaking to churches that have been under are either Romans. He's speaking to the Romans and in the churches that he's speaking to have been under Roman influence. So even if they weren't Roman, even if they were Jews, but they've been in slavery to Rome and they've been under Roman influence. So even if they don't practice it, they're exposed to the Roman culture. So when Paul's speaking in imagery that's geared to the culture that is uh, the main culture of that time, he has to be wise with this word. But he wants to start off with a bang and he says, I am a slave to Christ. So to answer the question, question number one is, are we literal slaves? No. No, we are not literal slaves. We are actually born free in Christ. And in Christ, we have freedom. But then why did Paul use the word? Well, Paul is using examples or imagery to describe his relationship with Christ. We must understand, especially in the New Testament scripture, that a lot of the imagery used is symbolic, descriptive, or metaphoric to the point that Jesus or the author is trying to make, most notably Paul. Paul is not saying that we are that he was a physical slave. He he's not walking around with chains in his hands because a slave walks around chained and is limited and, and is what he can do. So Paul's not a literal slave, but he's trying to uh in, in Spanish, I don't know what it's called in English, but in Spanish there's different words that describe uh like different kinds of character, and there's one that says sanguino sanguino is exaggerated like you're just you do the most like you're extra you just if you saw one cow i i'm guilty of this my wife struggles so hard she's from mexico and in the beginning when we started dating in the beginning of our marriage she used to like struggle so much because if i saw one cow i'm gonna say i saw a hundred and then she'll be like but you're lying i'm like i'm not lying she's like but you said you saw 100 cows like yeah no that's just me trying to make the story more interesting that's just me exaggerating i know i only saw one cow and they know when i say 100 they're like they most of the people who know me they know i didn't see 100 cows but it's it's just we need to be very vivid in our imagery to, to prove a point so um so that's what paul's starting off here he he's starting off with a bang and he's saying you know what i am a slave of christ jesus so what why would Paul use that imagery? 
to describe his relationship with Christ. Out of all the different examples, out of all the different ways you could have described your relationship with Christ, why did you have to go with slavery? Um, I, this, this is, uh, I guess you can say it's a point I have, but it's, it's meant to be funny because like I said, I am Puerto Rican and I'm of the opinion that Paul, even though he was Roman, he was probably Puerto Rican on the inside and he just wanted to exaggerate to prove a point. But the reason why Paul is using slavery as an imagery is again, number one, we're talking to Romans and m- most Romans had slaves. Okay. This slavery, um, number one, it, it wasn't as it wasn't what 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 happened over here. I mean, if you study the culture and the history, uh, the slave, the way they were treated was dependent on their behavior. I mean, uh, you know, you you had a lot of slave owners that that were friends with their slaves because their families, it would be generations of the same family serving the same household and it would become like a family relationship. But you wouldn't hear the slave calling their owner friend but the the owner could call them friend um so that that's just like i said it's something that was so prominent and um it was a different kind it wasn't nearly uh as bad as as what happened over here but the point is that it's i just i'm not condoning it obviously but we're talking about the time that was written and we can't get mad because at that time it was something normal so you know people get they want to take that out of scripture and, and use it as an argument to say, oh, look how, look at the God that you guys serve. What Paul said, no, no, it's just that was the culture, okay? That if those people came into today, if the people who were used to having slaves and they were to come into our time now, they would think we were crazy because we don't have slaves because that's not what our culture is today. So that's just, it's as simple as that. It's just imagery that it's common and they it would make it easier to understand. But he wants to also probably start off by he, he's emphasizing something that his master, Jesus Christ, said himself. In Matthew 6, 24, the word of God says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. This is... Uh, in this verse, he's talking about the love of money. That's what Jesus is referencing. And he's talking about how the love of money is the root of all evil. But the whole point is that it's a slavery concept. He's Jesus himself is saying you can't serve two masters. Um, just yesterday in church, I was talking about the, the topic of free will. And we were given free will in the beginning. And we messed it up and we chose sin. And then Jesus Christ came, fixed everything. And he, gave, he didn't take away our free will. It's not like what we do with our kids. Where if they do something wrong with something, you we take it away from them. Like if my son threw a book at me, I'm going to take the book out of his hand because I don't want to get hit again. I'm not trying to get hit twice. So Jesus could have done that when we sinned. God could have said, you know what? I gave you free will and you guys screwed it up. So now I'm going to turn you guys into actual slaves and you're not going to have a choice. No, he said, you know what? I'm going to fix the mistake you guys made. I'm going to let you keep your free will. But at the end of the day, you still have to choose who's your master. If you want money to be your master, then you're going to spend your whole life chasing money. You're never going to be satisfied and you're definitely not going to make it into heaven because you focus so much on money. You forgot about me completely. So because of sin, whether we agree or not, we can agree to disagree. But I am of the opinion that when it comes to mindset, not literalness, again, now from here on out, we're not talking about literalness. We're talking about the the metaphoric of it, the symbol, the symbolism of this. 
symbolically speaking, because of sin, whether we agree or not, we are slaves to someone. Because Jesus said right there, one, no one can serve two masters. So we have a choice to make. But again, we 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 don't want to embrace this ideology because, oh my gosh, I'm I'm not going to get on a soapbox too much here, but it, it's just we just want to justify sin, man. Uh, we are in an age where the whether or not uh, a preacher is good or a pastor is good is not determined by the love they have for their flock. It's not determined about the fruit of the spirit they give. It's it's how much does this church let me get away with? Well, this church lets me wear pants and this church doesn't. This church lets me wear earrings and this one doesn't. This one allows me to go drinking and party on the weekends. This one says that drinking. So it's just a matter of where we're picking churches based on how much can we get away with. How hard is the doctrine of this church? Because the ones that preach sound doctrine, those are the ones that are becoming unfortunately empty because they're teaching sound doctrine because we just want to sin. And, and that's what I'm speaking out against in this episode. It's we have a choice to make. You choose who you want to serve. If you, we were once slaves to sin. We were once slaves to sins, but Jesus brought us freedom. But the freedom is to choose whether to go back to what we just got rescued from or to symbolically speaking, become a slave to Christ. Romans 6.16 says, Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death. Or you can choose to obey God, which leads to life and righteous living. Paul is describing the relationship with who we choose to serve. So in other words, our slavery mindset in our slave master relationship is not determined by the slave master, but the decision of the slave. So again, I'm going to keep on repeating this throughout the episode so you guys don't get confused. I'm not saying we're slaves because we are not, but the mindset, the, 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 the description of the relationship, the, the message that Paul is trying to bring home is listen, whoever you choose, not your mama, not your daddy, not your uncle, TT, grandpa, not your pastor, not your, like you. We need to start having some accountability, man. I, I'm so sick and tired of hearing, oh, but it's, it's, I made all the decisions to sin in my life, but it's because childhood trauma. Yes, yes, there is childhood trauma. That in a lot of cases, it needs help. Yes, we do need to go. We need to promote psychology in the church. We need to stop putting taboos on going to see therapists and psychologists because, oh, but they're not Christian and, and all you need is the word. Yeah, I know. But unfortunately, because there's hardly any good churches that are preaching sound doctrine, you can't really just go into a church and see correct biblical therapy because half the times the preachers and the people who are giving therapy have no fruit of the spirit, they have no understanding of the Bible, they have no discernment, and they ruin things. So I'm all for going to a professional. If someone was dedicated enough to go to school for six to eight years to be able to learn how to help someone get through their trauma, I pray, you know, that you can find a good Christian professional with a degree counselor. But if you can, then go seek your help. But then combine that help with the word of God. 
take the professional help the therapist and combine it with the Holy Spirit. Tag team it. They'll tag team it. And then you take their principles, you apply it with the word, and he'll restore you. But the point is, we need to start taking accountability. Because you choose. Because, yeah, there's some people are in bad places because of where they came from. But you also see a million examples of people who were in horrible situations, but they chose differently. My grandfather is a perfect example. My grandfather pastored for close to 40 years. He started eight churches, all of which are still on their feet today. He grew up with no father. All his brothers either killed themselves, killed each other, or died in jail. His mother, ironically, gave him up to a lady for money, a.k.a. sold him as a slave to a lady who said, hey, I can take your son to work for me and help me and, and help him. I mean, she wanted him to get an education because she saw potential in him. But the point is, that was his upbringing. He had a horrible upbringing, but he chose. He decided not to be a slave to the bloodline. He decided, like the epigenetic episode we discussed, he decided that I'm not going to be a slave. I'm not going to let my destiny be determined by situation. I'm going to choose. And he made decision after decision, and eventually he met the Lord with my grandmother, and they were married for over 50 years before he passed away, and he lived a life as a disciple, as an apostle planting churches. I mean, he was a church planting pastor, and, and he was respected, and he was my role model because he chose. So that's my little, I guess you can say my soapbox about that is we need to start teaching accountability again in the church and stop telling people, God understands your sin. No, he doesn't. He hates sin. Does he empathize with your struggle? Yes. Does he understand that unfortunately because of sin, there is a battle between spirit and flesh and our human nature is always raging, which is why the Bible says that the flesh and the spirit is like two raging pit bulls and whichever one you give the food to the most is the one that's going to end up winning. So yes, he understands all that. That's the reason why he gave us a Bible to be able to overcome it. That's the reason why he taught us to pray. That's the reason why he taught us to fast. That's the reason why he gave us his spirit so we can conquer the flesh. It's not an excuse. I'm going to make a t-shirt. It's going to say no more excuses. We got to stop giving people excuses to justify their sin. No, no. We got to stop that. And the church needs to be the first one to do it because we're letting everybody do anything they want. Not me. My church knows. I don't play that game. So, again, the first question was, are we literal slaves? No, we are not literal slaves. We understand that Paul's using imagery that is going to allow him to connect to his audience. He uses that imagery because Christ used that imagery. Like we said in Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. So he's using that imagery because he learned it from the person he learned by. Uh, he learned from. He learned it from Christ. So it's okay to use the same imagery that Christ did as long as you're applying it in the same way he did. Question number three, what concepts of slavery was Paul applying to his relationship with Christ? Um, and now in full disclosure, you know, I started reading the book recently. It's um, The Gospel According to Jesus by John MacArthur. And he talks about this topic. And it's an amazing book. And, um, you know, like I said, I, I'm not condoning slavery, but these are just concepts that uh, 
through the study of the scripture and kind of just letting the Holy Spirit speak to me, it's the reason why Paul was using this imagery is because this next few things I'm about to talk about, there are four things, uh, uh, six things that was common in that slavery culture, which was he was hoping with this description, with his imagery, and with the help of the Holy Spirit, obviously, to be the translator to our spirits, is this is what I need people to understand about my relationship with Christ. And this is what I want people to imitate because Paul also said a lot of times, imitate me and do as I do because I do as Christ did. Okay. Number one, we were chosen. So uh, as we study history, we know that slave owners would go to where the slaves would come in and they would essentially see a line of people and they would pick which servant and which slave that they wanted. So that concept, again, we are not literal slaves, but the concept of being chosen, the concept of someone stood where we were and said, you know what? I want him and I want her and I want him and I want this one and I want that one and handpicking who you wanted. That's what Jesus did with us. First Peter two verse nine says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Again, he rescued you. He rescued us from being slaves to sin. He took us out of darkness and he brought us into the light. We were chosen. We were chosen by him. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons to Christ Jesus, Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will. Now, I know another word that brings up red flags is predestined, and I'm going to be doing episodes on that. This is not going to be the episode, so don't. I mean, you can do whatever you want, but if you blow up my comments about predestination, I will tag you. Follow and subscribe, put on your notifications, and you'll see when I drop that episode. But the point is that we were chosen. We were chosen. Even after we sinned, he still chose us. He still chose us, no matter what we did, no matter how bad we sinned, no matter how angry we made him, he continued to choose us. And I actually tried to tell him, I used to, I need to get better. If my my wife is going to hear this episode and she's going to be like, oh, because when we were dating every day and even in the beginning of a marriage, I got into a habit of every day I would tell her, I choose you. I've kind of sacked off of it. I need to get better at that again because that's something that she loves. But I would tell her, I choose you. Was there a lot of other options? Of course there, there was, and but I choose you. And even when you mess up, babe, I choose you. And even when you're really annoying, I still choose you because at the end of the day, I want you in my life. And that's what Jesus did to us. He said, I know you sinned. I know you betrayed me. I know you guys nailed me to a cross, but I still choose you. There is nothing that you can do that will make God not love you. All right. Number two, we were bought for a price. Okay. First Corinthians chapter seven, verse 23, it says, God paid a high price for you. So don't be enslaved by the world. So he's saying again, I took you out of slavery to sin. You were slaves to sin. I took you out of it. I paid the price. So God paid the price by sending his son. And then Jesus paid the price with his actual life. It was a high price to play. You didn't pay the price for your freedom. 
You didn't pay the price for your freedom. Jesus did. Your freedom has nothing to do with your ability. Because if we were able to free ourselves, he would not have had to come down. But he paid the price so you can be free. So why would you go right back to the original slave master that had you condemned to death? First Peter 1.18 says, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. You ain't nothing without Jesus. We need to start humbling ourselves and remembering daily that Christ paid the price so we can again have the freedom to choose whether we wanted to follow him or not. And that's my favorite part about the gospel, that Jesus did all this for a maybe. Maybe they'll follow me. Maybe they'll turn from their ways. He wasn't even guaranteed that you were going to choose him. Again, this will be discussed more in thorough uh, in, in the topic of predestination. But listen, if you make it to hell, it's not because Jesus predestined you to go to hell. You made the choice. If you make it and you finish the race here on earth and we end up in heaven, it's through Jesus. It's through the work of salvation that we're there. But if we make it to heaven, it's you chose to be there. That's going to be part of the joy of getting to heaven is when we make it to heaven, we get to say, with the power of the Holy Spirit and because of the work of Jesus, I'm here, but I made it. It was my choice to be here. So when I'm in heaven, I'm enjoying everything about heaven. It's because I chose to be here. I chose to kill myself daily through the, uh, to, to kill, crucify the flesh daily. I chose to make a decision to be a slave to his will. I made that choice. Okay, so the next concept is that slaves, they were slaves to the will of their master. Romans chapter 7 verse 7 says, For we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it's to honor the Lord. And if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and rose again for this very purpose, to be Lord both of the living and of the dead. Again, Jesus was a savage. He said, I ain't just getting, you ain't just getting me Lord of the life. I'm the Lord of the living and I'm Lord of the dead. I am Lord over heaven and earth. I am Lord of the universe. There is nowhere that you can go. There is no, there is absolutely nowhere you can go where, <laughs> where Jesus is not Lord. Hoo-wee! How crazy is that? There is not one place that you can go in the universe. I'm Pentecostal, y'all. I'm trying to like not jump out of my chair right now. I'm getting like the zoomies when you see those videos of the dogs running around because they're, that's me. I'm such a zoomie person. I'd be running. I'm trying to not have zoomies right now. Spiritual zoomies. But there is nowhere on earth or in the universe or in the physical realm or in the spiritual realm and the heavenly places, there is not one place where you can go where Jesus is not the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Okay? Just the way a slave would be a, uh, a slave to the will of his master, that's what Paul is saying. He's not a literal slave, but he's saying that, bro, I love Jesus Christ so much that I, I and my mindset is the same as a slave where 
I feel like in my personal relationship with the Lord, my decision, I choose to think this way. It's not that I'm obligated to think. I'm choosing to think this way that I don't have any other choice. I don't have a choice or say in my life. The only choice I have in my life was to choose him. But once I made that decision, I'm a slave to his will. I will not breathe. I will not eat. I will not take a step. I will not move. I will not say. I will not have the thought if Jesus Christ does not give me permission because I am a slave to him and I am a slave to his will. On earth and after we are resurrected and we are redeemed and our bodies are glorified and we join Christ in heaven, even in the, even in the afterlife, even in heaven after, after we are glorified. He's still going to be my Lord because for me, there's no death. I get to live with him eternally. And those who are suffering eternal condemnation in hell, he's still, bro, that's the thing. We're not talking about this, Jesus. Why aren't we talking about the fact that Jesus is still going to be the Lord, even everyone in hell? We keep on teaching that hell belongs to Satan. We keep on teaching that Oh, uh, the devil is the boss of hell. Bro, no, he's not. The devil isn't the boss of anything. He was defeated at the cross. The keys of the kingdom of heaven that was here on earth that we gave him. Jesus went and got the keys back. So why do we keep on saying, oh, hell, is that's where, that's where the devil is. That's his zone. No, he's not. That's not his own. Hell is not. Hell is the absence of the presence of God. And we're going to do a whole episode on hell too. But the devil ain't in charge of nothing, not even hell. Jesus is the ruler of hell and heaven. He is the Lord over everything. He caused the shots. So Paul is just getting so vivid in his imagery because he needs everybody to understand that when you choose Christ, if you actually love him and you're not a two-faced hypocrite, and you're not all talk. When you choose Christ, your mindset should be that of a slave where I just I the only thing that's an option for me, the only thing that's even permissible is the will of my father. We also are dependent on him the same way as a slave is to his master. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse eight, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will Always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed to the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So that verse starts off with, and God will generously provide you all that you need. Because If I choose to have a slave mindset, not that I'm a slave, but if I choose to have the mindset of a slave to the will of the Lord, then I know he has me. Because a good slave master took care of his slaves and they were dependent on him. So while I'm being a slave to the will of my father, in hindsight, I depend on him. And I know that he's going to have my back because he gives generously. Okay? Last two points. A slave was held accountable for his actions. The, the way a slave would be treated in the home was dependent on their behavior. 
Romans 14.12 says, Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. Again, this is a call to accountability. This is a call to the pastors and the preachers and the teachers and the churches that we need to stop teaching cotton candy gospel and we need to start holding the church community accountable. The non-believers, we're, we're, we need to treat them differently. Because here's the thing. Oh my goodness, I'm going to get in trouble for this. We treat our church members who are living in sin better than those who don't know the gospel and we judge them. So the ones that do know, they get a free pass because they got the title in front of their name or because of whose family they are. So they get a free pass to sin without judgment. But the ones who don't know, who generally need help, we're judging them. Get out of here, bro. Get out of here, man. What are we doing? What are we doing? Those who don't know, teach them. Love them. Show them the way. Show them Christ. Show them the love of Christ so they can change. Plant the seed through your works, through throwing, showing the fruit of the Spirit so God can begin doing the work in them because they don't know better. But you, listening, who spent your entire life in church and you still have not confessed your sins, and you keep in your hidden sin, and you keep... Hiding it because you don't want to confess it when the Bible clearly says to confess your sins. You're going to have to give an account to the Lord. And when God is in judgment mode, he's not acting as our father or as a friend. He is in judge mode. And then we wonder why so many bad things happen. Oh, my God. But you don't understand. It's all part of my process. It's all part of my process. That's everybody's fairy world. It's part of my process. I'm in a season. No, you're paying the consequences for your sin, dude. Oh, my gosh, man. The process comes when the Lord says, yo, I know it's hard, but keep going. When he told Peter, step out on the boat. When it says, I'll meet you on the other side before the storm happened, he already told you that he, he told the disciples, I'll meet you on the other side, which means no matter what happens, we're going to get to the other side. That's a process. He already told you the, the goal. I'm going to see you on the other side and I'm going to test your faith. But we need to stop calling everything a process. No, you're, it, this is not your season. It, and how long is this season? I just, Lord, how long is this season? The season is going to last until you stop sinning. He didn't cause this season in your life. You, instead of choosing to have a slave mindset to Christ, you went back to being a slave to sin after he re rescued you from it. And then you wondered, no, the, the, the struggle and the tribulation and the trial is going to last until you learn how to repent and hold yourself accountable for your actions. So stop blaming God. I am on a roll today. My goodness. Jesus. Lord, have mercy. Stop telling people that it's okay to sin. It's not. We need to stop, man. Let me finish here. We are going to be evaluated. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 10. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in our earthly body. In this earthly body. So if we're going to be judged according to what we did in this earthly body. Where are we going to be judged? Come on now. I have so much stuff I need to get off my chest. Tyreek Hill from the Dolphins has a podcast called It Needed to Be Said. And, and I wish I would have thought of that name first. 
Shout out to Tyreek. But um, I mean, that, it, it just needs to be said. We uh, So much politically correctness. Anyways, we're going to have to give an account to God. And we're going to be held accountable. So, to finish, I want to read a couple verses that gives an example. What better person than Jesus Christ himself, the man of the hour, where he shows what it means to be a slave to the will of his father. John chapter 8, verses 20. Sorry. Uh, John chapter 8 verses we're, we're talking about the lady who got caught in adultery we know the story they bring her and say we caught her in the act of adultery which the law said that if you caught a woman in the adultery you had to bring the partner so both man and woman the both man and woman should have been brought but they only brought the girl why didn't it bring the guy my theory it was probably one of the Pharisees that's not in the Bible, but if you just use logic, if they caught her in the act, that means there was a dude or a female. But the point is that there was two people. It takes two people to tango. So why didn't they bring the other party? Huh? They didn't want. Oh, that's a whole other story. One is they bring her out. Chapter nine. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one because Jesus said, uh, the one who has never sinned, throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even, didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Woo! Accountability. Yes, he showed mercy. Yes, he showed grace. Yes, he came to her rescue. But what did he tell her? Don't do it again. Not, oh, I understand temptation is hard. No, don't sin again. I'm not gonna cause I'm not gonna accuse you because I'm not an accuser. That's the devil's job. He's the accuser, but don't do it again. Okay. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. The Pharisees replied, you are making those claims about yourself. Such testimony is not valid. Jesus told them, these claims are valid, even though I make them about myself, for I know where I came from and where I am going, but you don't know this about me. Man, Jesus is such a savage. You judge me by human standards, but I do not judge anyone. Yo, are you ready for this? And if I did, my judgment would be correct in every respect because I am not alone. The father who sent me is with me. And if I did, it's such a powerful statement because you know what? And if I did, and if I did, I, what is he saying? Oh man, if my father's will permit, if, if my father's will allowed it, I would chew you up alive. I, I would. I would tear you up. But because right now, as I'm speaking these words, the Holy Spirit of my father is in me and is telling me what I can and cannot do. You're lucky that right now is not the time. And you're lucky that because as the son of God, I have made a choice to have a slave mindset to the will of my father. 
which is why in Philippians he said that he didn't consider himself equal to God, but he made himself in humble human form, and he made himself a slave to the purpose. He became a slave. He had a slave mindset to the mission. And right there he's showing what it means to be a slave to the will of a father. He said, and if I did... Okay, and then he says, your own law says that if two people agree about something, their witness is accepted as fact. I am one witness, and my father who sent me is the other. Bro, what a dang savage. I don't need none of y'all because I'm here for my father's will. Where is your father, they ask. Jesus answered, since you don't know who I am, you don't know who my father is. If you knew me, you would also know my father. Jesus made these statements while he was teaching in the section of the temple known as the treasury, but he was not arrested because his time had not yet come. Later, Jesus said to them again, I am going away. You will search for me, but will die. You will search for me, but will die in your sin. You cannot come where I am going. The people asked, is he planning to commit suicide? What does he mean? You cannot come where I am going. Jesus continued, you are from below and I am from above. Boom. You belong to this world. I do not. Boom. Kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of heaven. That is why I said that you will die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am, capital I am, who I am, who I claim to be, you will die in your sins. Who are you? They demanded. Jesus replied, the one I have always claimed to be. I have much to check this out. Look how cool this is. I have much to say about you and much to condemn, but I won't. For I say only what I have heard from the one who sent me, and he is completely truthful. I have so much I want to tell you. Ooh, you got me mad. Ooh, I'm heated. Ooh, I, you don't even know who you're messing with. You don't even know the amount of judgment I can drop on you. There's so much I have to say. But because I am a slave to the will of my father, because my mindset is the mindset of a slave where I will only speak what my my father before I came down to heaven. My father already told me and revealed to me everything that I had to speak here on earth. And since what I want to say to you was not on that list, even though I can't say it because I am God. And I can say whatever I want, but because I am submissive to his will, because I have my, made myself less and not equal to God the Father. I will only speak what, what he told me to speak. That's what it means to be a slave to Christ. We're not literal slaves. But we do need to adopt the mindset of a slave by choice. We can choose who our master is. Are we going to go back to being a slave to sin and have slave be our slave, a sin be our slave master that leads us to condemnation and eternal death? Or am I going to choose to be a slave to Christ? That his will leads me to life. His will, if I have a slave mindset to his will, it's going to lead me to eternal life. It's going to lead me to blessings. It's going to lead me to love and joy and peace and goodness. It's your choice. No one can force you, not even God. He can, but he gave us free will. He gave us the liberty to choose because he is that cool of a God. You choose who you want to be your slave master. Do I want to do the will of my father? That will automatically give me a life of blessings. 
Or am I going to continue to live in sin and to continue to do whatever I feel like doing and not go to prayer and not ask God to guide my steps? And not ask God, what is your will for my life? And, and just hook up with anyone and smoke anything we want and do whatever sin we want. And then at the end, I'll just repent. No, because going to heaven is not about just confessing your sin and saying a prayer. It's about how you lived your life. And the posture of your heart, because obviously we know the, 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 the thief on the cross didn't live the whole life full of sin, but because he believed he was saved. Obviously, Christ knew there's not an opportunity for you to show me through your works. I can't hold you accountable based on your life because you just met me here on the cross. So you don't have a life to show me. So in his case, believing was enough. But guess what, ladies and gentlemen, we're still here. We still have life. And as long as we are here every day with life. If I'm not using my time to glorify the will of my father, I can say the prayer of salvation 20 times a day if my life doesn't show it. If I don't live what I preach, if I don't bear fruit, Lord, Lord, I don't know how I didn't get this verse ready. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm trying to get better at memorizing the scriptures. I know what it says. I'm trying to get better at knowing where it says it. But Matthew 7, 21 verses 7, 21 through 23. And this is how I'm going to end. And not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but not. But only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Many will sell to me on, say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. The title of today's episode, Lord, Lord, slave to Christ. Are you ready to hear the response? On that day, when you say, Lord, Lord, is he going to say, yes, my faithful servants? Not my faithful pastor. Not my faithful deacon, not my faith, not my faithful prophet, not my fa no, my faithful servant. Is that the response you're gonna get when you call out to him, Lord, Lord? Or is he gonna tell you, get away from me because I never knew you? This is the reality of the situation, guys. We are no longer slaves to sin, but we have to serve something and we have to serve someone. And there's only two choices. I can serve the I can serve the enemy, which encompasses the flesh in the world. Or I can choose to have the mindset of a slave and with that mindset, serve Christ in all that I do for his will and glory. Father God, we come before you. We thank you so much for the power in your scripture, the life-giving word that you have given us, Father God. We thank you for the sacrifice you did on the cross for us, Lord. We thank you, Father God, because we have no excuse. There's Everywhere we go, the, we, we can see your glory. Nature reveals your glory. The word reveals your glory. The Holy Spirit is a witness to your glory in our hearts and lives, Father God. Lord, and I pray that using this platform that you can continue to fill my heart with the word that you need these people to hear, Father God, that it can continue to fall on fertile soil, Father God, and we will begin to hear testimonies of the works, Father God, from the words that are being taught in this podcast. 
Lord, we do it for your glory and honor. Amen. Uh, so, yeah, I, I didn't plan to go on this song. I actually had a goal to try to keep it to 30 minutes, but I'm a Pentecostal pastoring, preaching pastor teacher, so nothing I do will ever probably take 30 minutes. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much for joining us today. I hope this was a blessing to you guys today. I hope you guys feel some conviction. If you are in sin, it's not because I want to call you out, but Jesus is coming soon, and we need everybody to get their act together because I'm trying to bring people to the banquet. I'm trying to get people to heaven, and that's my goal. So uh, like, share, subscribe. Um, if you guys enjoyed this episode, uh, subscribe on YouTube, subscribe on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, uh, in the link tree, which you'll find it in the YouTube and uh, in the bio of the episodes, you'll click our link tree. You'll see all of our platforms. You can see Venmo and PayPal where you can donate if you want to donate. Um, you're going to see our new apparel shop called Disruptive Apparel. Right now, I have a, a t-shirt, a hoodie, a mug, and a, I forgot what the other thing I put on there, but I'm going to be dropping some t-shirts. I do do graphic design. So it's going to be some cool stuff um, that you guys can uh, rock. Uh, I don't know what I, my brother always makes. I have a twin and he makes fun of me for not, for not under being, keeping up with the lingo, I guess is drip or riz or whatever these kids call it nowadays. But uh, yeah, you know, we're going to be dropping some cool t-shirts that'll help me continue to move on with this podcast. And I pray that it is a blessing to you guys. So until Monday. Thank you for joining us here on the Disruptive Doctrine Podcast. Peace.